With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hangover. My name is Mike McDaniel. Ricky Blue. What's up, man? Dude, it's uh, this is the this is the first time we have recorded this late on a weeknight in a year, probably. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, for, for those who don't, or, you know, don't talk to us frequently, we used to record this podcast super late, <laughs> like very late, like eleven, eleven thirty late. Yes, like um, finish up at one a.m. late. Yeah, because of yeah. our work schedules. Um, this year has been a lot better. So we've been able to record at like six or yes. sometimes even better at like 3.30. It's been great. <laughs> yeah. It's been awesome. Um, so we are back with a late edition of the Hokie Hangar, which actually worked out because Tech just finished up a basketball game about, oh, I don't know, five minutes ago. And uh, despite playing – pretty lackadaisical for most of the game they actually won they did um good teams find ways to win ugly and that's exactly what tech did so we'll we'll talk about the vmi game because i wasn't expecting to have a lot to say about it but given that just ended and tech didn't play as well as i think neither you or myself thought or most tech fans thought i think it's worth having a brief discussion about so we'll talk about that but first we're going to talk about main street pharmacy ricky main street pharmacy downtown blacksburg they treat you like a neighbor not a number Dr. Jeremy Counts uh, runs the pharmacy. He is a good friend of ours, good friend of the podcast, always buying me drinks in Blacksburg, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, so I, <laughs> I like him as a person. Um, you want to do business with your friends, right? You want to be in business with your friends. He is a friend of ours, obviously. Um, and he's been kind enough to advertise for this podcast for the better part of the last three or four months now. So we're really happy to, of course, have him on board and you hear our ad reads for him every week. Uh, go visit him, 301 South Main Street in Blacksburg. Um, they're open Monday, Friday, nine to six, and then Saturdays, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. because football, of course, and they are closed on Sundays, but uh, definitely go down there, check it out. School supplies, basic pharmaceutical needs, masks, whatever you need, they got it. So go check that out at the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Ricky. I mean, it, it, like one thing that I never got to experience, and I'm sure you didn't either because we're so young, is like an actual drugstore. Yeah. So like like back in the day drugstore, our our um, middle aged to older listeners will understand that reference. Uh, everyone else is probably going to go right over their heads. But um, that's kind of the feeling that I think Jeremy is going for, not just being a pharmacy, but also being like just your local store that can handle everything you need. So thank you again to Jeremy for advertising the pod and, and always being a, a friend of the pod. For sure. And I'm sure Jeremy, like most Virginia Tech fans, weren't too happy by the performance put on in Blacksburg, Virginia tonight by the basketball team, Ricky. Um, yeah. 
Virginia Tech wins this game. So let's start out with the good news. The 16th ranked Hokies win this basketball game 64 to 57 over visiting BMI. BMI, pretty, pretty well coached team. Um, flat out. Mike Young talked about it in the press conference earlier this week. Uh, the fact that every time he goes up against VMI, he's got great respect for how they're coached and the manner in which they play. And that was evident by the zone, the two, three zone. And then the one, two, two press that we saw a bunch that gave the Hokies fits most of the night. Uh, but in my opinion, that wasn't the biggest issue for Virginia tech. Of course it was caused, you know, it wasn't a, just a turnover issue. Tech had 11 turnovers on the night, but the bigger issue for me was how poorly they shot at settling for jump shots in this game. Um, no Cartier Jada in this game. I thought that was pretty significant. Uh, he was in street clothes. Uh, as we sit here recording, uh, I can tell you that I believe that this was due to uh, a COVID protocol issue. Um, from what I was told, this was a testing issue where he missed a COVID test. He eventually tested negative, but he missed the COVID test like he was supposed to. We're waiting official word on that from Mike Young. He's supposed to clarify that. Um, yep, and here it is from Tech Sideline literally 42 seconds ago. So here we go. Mike Young says that Cartier Jada sat out tonight's game because he slept late and missed a 7.15 a.m. COVID test. Nothing more than that. We expect to have him back against Penn State. So a little bit disciplinary in nature, but no big deal. We'll have Cartier Jada back next week against Penn State, which is obviously good, but the Hokies missed him tonight against VMI. That was apparent. His driving and cutting ability, what he brings to the table on the fast break when Tech needs baskets and needs to operate a different way offensively, he brings kind of that energizer bunny mentality to the table. One-man fast break, really exciting and energetic. He, Tech was missing that energy all night, it felt like, when they were going cold offensively and struggling on the defensive end a little bit for most of the game. They played well in the last six minutes or so, but it felt like they were really missing that kind of jolt. And yeah, they definitely look like they were sleepwalking. If you ask the ACC network commentators, uh, Cartier Jada was brought in to be a defender, and that's what the Hokies were missing him for tonight. That's absolute garbage. Um, I don't know why the hell they thought that that was accurate. Cartier Jada is here on this team to create offensive opportunities. I think that that's pretty abundantly clear. Um, they definitely could have used someone to slash to the rim a bit more tonight. Uh this is something that we talked about last year with this team, that there were times where the offense got really stagnant because they didn't have a real serious shot creator on the team last year. It was if, if the offense was bogging down and they, they were not going to be generating open looks. And I think the, the main reason Jotter was bought in or brought into, into the team this year was so that he could alleviate that problem and help create some more looks in situations where the offense is slowing down or breaking down or not operating efficiently. Um, but my main issue was the lack of intensity in this game, uh, Virginia tech, and it's totally understandable, right? They're playing in an empty Definitely. arena on a Thursday night late. Um, no buzz, no energy in the, in the crowd whatsoever, obviously. Um, they didn't look like they were playing energetic basketball until Wabi Sabidi found Justin Mutz for a dunk. Yeah, I guess with about I, I can't remember how much it was about roughly four to five minutes left, something yep. like that. Um, and that was the switch, right? As soon as that happened, Virginia Tech outplayed VMI for the most part. Yep, and they ended up winning the game by a couple possessions. So this is going to happen. 
this is probably going to happen yes. at least one more time. And it's going to happen to everybody. It's totally understandable why teams come out flat. I mean, they do it already in regular basketball. You, you'll right. see these elite teams drop two or three games a year to bad opponents. And it's just because in basketball, sometimes you just don't have the same juice, the same energy, the same drive. Um, that's going to happen probably more this year than years past because the lack of, of atmosphere, the inability to, to uh, feed off the energy from the crowd, that in the band, like that all makes a difference. So I'm yeah. not really worried about it because I don't think it's going to be a trend. I do think Virginia Tech will play better against Penn State, but yeah, um, obviously it, it's unfortunate that it happened and um, it would have been, it would have been really bad. And it, it, this would have been a really, this could have been a turning point in the season had they lost this game. But the fact that they figured out how to, how to get the job done is what matters. This was a really mature win for Virginia Tech. I mean, they didn't have their best stuff all night. Um, you know, I, I talked about the 11 turnovers. They were four for 27 from three, 18 from 27. That's only 16, uh, I'm sorry, 66% from the foul line. So it wasn't great. 18 of 27 there from the charity stripe. And they only shot 35% overall from the floor. So a really cold shooting night. Credit VMI. The defense gave Tech fits. I thought the Hokies settled a lot for jump shots. Uh, the, the veteran leadership here of Keve Aluma, uh, he had 17 and 12, was very you good mean once Kevin? again. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Aluma per the ACC network. Um, man, uh, did you know he played soccer? That, that's Dude, another one, too. Who's the ACC player of the week and they can't get his name right? That reminds me earlier in the year how Travis Etienne was in a graphic on ACC network oh, no. and they spelled his last name wrong. Like, dude, he's like the best, most, one of the best players in the conference. You can't spell his name right. Kevi Aluma wins, he wins, <laughs> wins ACC Player of the Year, and he's Kevin. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> he makes the uh, – it's really funny because ETN makes the ACC Network so much money when Clemson plays because yes. people tune in just to watch Clemson. Yes. And they can't get his name right. It's maddening. Uh, and then you have a kid who wins ACC Player of the Week in basketball and – right. They're calling him Kevin on the broadcast. Yeah, he uh, he also plays soccer. They told me forty five <laughs> times tonight. So, did I, you know that Josh Joshua Hobbs majored in some sort of aerospace engineering at Tennessee? That was another thing that that we were fed for eighteen years. Yeah, do, do you know that uh, Chris Hogan played lacrosse? It's <laughs> another one. I, it's really funny because uh, and as a Pats fan, that's like that's like your that's like your thing. That is, you probably right. heard that for way too long. Right. I mean, there were there were some uh, there were some good ones here. I, I got to eat another one. It was like, did you know that Mike London was a detective? That, that's another one. So there were several several tweeted at me tonight, which was very funny when I was making oh, fun man. of the ACC network because there are those like go tos. Everybody knows like yes. the one thing, and they're just so overused all the time. Like every single telecast, you hear the same thing over and over and over by a different announcing crew. Yes. Um, thinking that they're covering something new and groundbreaking and really they're not. Nope. Um, so yeah. So anyway, Aluma, um, big night from him. I, I was really impressed with just the veteran leadership. I mean, the reason why you have guys like Keve Aluma and Justin Mutz and Cordell Pemsel, who I thought was very good in limited playing time tonight. The reason why you bring them into the program is to provide that leadership when the going gets tough, because they have seen this before. Right. And, the, the play down the stretch 
of Wabisabidi and Justin Mutz and Keve Aluma won Virginia Tech this basketball game. The three of them in the last six minutes were the reason why the Hokies emerged victorious because this was a game that didn't look good for a while there in the second half. I think VMI, I believe it was like a 24 to 11 run to start the second half and put the Hokies in a bit of a bind and Tech came out of the under eight timeout. And like you mentioned, that dunk by Mutz really kind of flipped the switch. And then VMI missed a three on the other end. VMI also had a shot clock violation. So Tech that was huge too. I felt like, I felt like getting that basket taken off the board kind of yep. c- cemented Tech's momentum there a little bit because VMI was kind of weathering the storm, but that, right. that shot clock violation did make a difference. It was pretty big because Tech played such great defense that entire possession that if yeah. VMI had scored there right at the buzzer at the end of the possession, I mean, that would have felt like just another like deflating blow. It's like, man, nothing is going right tonight. Um, but they get the shot clock violation. They made they made stops when they needed to. And then credit Wabisabidi for running point there towards the end, um, starting a couple of fast breaks, getting guys open looks. Nahima Lean had a brutal night. He's been very good all year and through the first three games. He was 0 for 7 from 3 tonight, 2 of 10 overall from the floor. He did not shoot the ball particularly well. He actually didn't play a lot in the second half. He, he was in for the last like four or five minutes a good bit, but he did not play much in the second half. Um, Tyrese Radford had a cold shooting night, but I thought his defense was really good. His rebounding obviously was effective. He ends up um, finishing with 13.6 rebounds. So, I mean, it's always easier to coach up a team after a close win rather than an upset yeah. loss and tech beating VMI ugly. I mean, like you mentioned, a low energy environment there at Castle, um, given the fact that no fans are allowed outside of immediate family. Um, and this is a VMI team that can kind of grind you up a little bit on the defensive end and kind of wear you out. And that's how they've pulled off upsets before of ACC teams. But it's, it's a good win. It's a mature win for Tech, just not having your best stuff and still finding a way to get the W. And now Tech is off, I believe, until next Tuesday when they play Penn State in the ACC Big Ten Challenge at Castle. So hopefully the Hokies are more prepared um, in that game than they were tonight because they didn't play particularly well. Yeah, plenty of time to get their mind right. I'm not too worried about it. If they come out looking slow and lethargic against Penn State, then we can spend some more time on it. But ultimately, Agreed. they – they take care of business. They get the win. They can move on. Avoid the bad loss, right? Avoid the bad yeah. loss because you have such a, you have one of the best wins in the country through uh, the first week of the college basketball season. Um, there have been some ranked on ranked matchups here over the last couple of days, um, but Tech's, Tech's win over Villanova there uh, in Bubbleville up there in Connecticut ranks right up there. So just avoid the bad loss. And that's what Tech was able to do tonight. Ricky, welcome to Clemson week. I've been dreading this uh, really since they announced the schedule. Like as soon as they they put that, I was like, oh, "You got to be kidding me!" Like I, I like even even then, I when I thought Tech was going to be better than they are now, I wasn't really looking forward to it because right. we all know how Clemson gets this time of year, and especially now that they actually have to fight for this playoff berth. Right. Um, War, War Machine Clemson is in full effect. Yes. <laughs> and. They are facing a team in Virginia Tech that is basically facing rebellion on all fronts, right? Like they yep. are, the fan base is over it. The coaching staff is on is sitting on a Bunsen burner. 
Um, you've got infighting amongst players' parents on Twitter, which <laughs> I, I, I mentioned a couple days ago. It, it, it's a mess, right? And you've got players opting out. The, the former prodigy, Quincy Patterson, opts out. Um, it's just a it's a mess. And now Virginia Tech has to try and, and tighten their bootstraps and go play one of the best teams in the country, probably – I still think Clemson is probably better than Notre Dame, and mm-hmm. I'm actually expecting Clemson to win if they get a rematch, which they I am too. Will. Um, so they're facing one of the top two or three teams in the country, and I don't care that it's in Lane Stadium. It's not going to be pretty. And, of course, this game gets put on primetime, right? So you can guarantee that I will not be watching this game sober. I will have some sort of alcohol uh, in my hand during this game because Lord knows I'm going to need it. 7.30 ABC, um, like you mentioned, Ricky, number three Clemson comes to town. So let's start. I'm going to try to attack this the best way possible. Let's, let's go with this, Rick. Virginia Tech enters this game as we sit here on Thursday night recording. Again, a little bit later in the week this week, so we apologize for that. That's really my fault, actually. Um, but anyway, uh, Clemson is a 22-point favorite as we sit here on Thursday night. Over-under is at 67. Let's attack this uh, because this is a little bit different preview because of the kind of team that Clemson is and what Virginia Tech has looked like all year. So let's attack it from the angle of ways that Virginia Tech can cover this spread because I do think I do think there's a path, right? Um, yeah, there's a path. and uh, It's narrow, but there's a path. Here's the path. Yeah. So Virginia, so Clemson's defense historically, uh, the, the front seven, now they've had, they've sent guys in the secondary to the draft. They've, they've been good at all three levels as long as Brent Venables has been the defensive coordinator. Um, their front seven this year has been a bit banged up. You know, they had Tyler Davis defensive tackle who returned to the lineup last week and was very good. He wreaked havoc. Um, but he's been missing for a good bit of the season. James Skalski has been real banged up all year. So the front seven is young to begin with, but they're two veteran guys there have been missing for a good portion of the season due to injury. Um, they did get Tyler Davis back. I'm not sure if Skalski's going to play in this game or not. Ultimately, it's if he doesn't play, it's going to be Tyler Venables, Brent Venables' son, who's been who's a very good player, by the way. He's not just on the team because he's the coach's kid. Like Wilson. He would play for Tech. Yeah, yes. I mean, he'd start at Tech. He's, <laughs> he's going to be a multi-year starter at Clemson. He's a very good player. Um so they don't lose a ton there, but, but Clemson's front seven is not as good as it's been as, as elite as it's been in recent years. And neither so, is the linebacking core. And, and that, neither is the linebacking core. That's kind of been the problem with Clemson this year. And we saw that in the Notre Dame game is that they've always been able to pair that kind of flashy explosive offense with a yep. pretty reliable defense under Venables, but they just haven't had that as much this year. And they've been okay against kind of some lower echelon teams, at least relative to their schedule. But um, if you go by and actually look at the point totals that they've given up this year, they've, they've got some pretty big numbers. Um, They gave up, first of all, they gave up 23 to Virginia, which at that point in the year, Virginia was a a trash heap. Um, Obviously they they gave up 21 to Syracuse. Syracuse has been battling. They gave up 28 to BC, 40 to Notre Dame. Um, so like they they've still been a good unit like that's yeah well, for sure let's not let's not you know miss the forest for the trees right like they're 
still a very good unit, but there are there are some some nicks in the armor, if you will, that can be exploited and having some success in the air and, and, and maybe having some semblance of a running game would be a start for Virginia Tech if they're going to get through this game and not get uh, not get blown out. Yeah, and I, I think what's going to benefit Tech a bit here is, number one, they've had two weeks to prepare. So if you want to try to cover a big spread, get an extra week of preparation, right? So that's helpful. I mean, I mean it's helpful for Virginia Tech from the standpoint of ensuring the full health of Khalil Herbert. So the, the Tech coaching staff and Khalil Herbert himself, even in press conferences lately, um, has mentioned that he's fully healthy. But it hasn't really shown on the field, right? I mean, he pulled his hamstring against Liberty and he hasn't really looked the same since then he got off. To they him. haven't trusted him like they did earlier right. in the year. Right. Which if they're not giving the best player on the field, the ball, it's more than, I mean, everybody's just going to say Cornelson, Cornelson, Cornelson. It's more than that. It's, it's not just, he's not getting the ball because the play calling's bad. He's not getting the ball because he's not fully healthy. Um, because Virginia Tech, for the most part, early in the year, did a very good job of getting Khalil Herbert the ball. It's why he was the top rusher in the country um, for the first five or six weeks of the year before he got hurt. Virginia Tech now has uh, an extra week to prepare and, more importantly, an extra week to get healthy. And that's really important for Khalil Herbert, um, who hasn't really looked the same since that Liberty game. I would assume that his hamstring is close to full health at this point given the fact that they were kind of masking it and saying, Oh yeah, you know, he's, he's fully healthy. He's full, you know, he's a full go. He's good to go. And he had mentioned that he was good to go kind of week after week after week, but now getting that extra week of rest and preparation, you got the week of Thanksgiving. I think that'll help Khalil Herbert. I think that's really crucial for Virginia tech in this football game. Cause I think the offensive line, that's a, that's a battle that they're not going to win consistently against Clemson's defensive line but I think it's a battle that they could win enough to have some success running the football in this game. I don't think Tech's going to just be completely shut down in the running game to the point where they're totally useless. I think they'll I mean, be able they, to run They the could be. It, it, it could certainly happen. Um, I mean, we saw what Pittsburgh did to, to, did to Virginia Tech, and Clemson is almost as productive as Pittsburgh just in terms of raw numbers, and they probably have more talent over there in, in Clemson. Yeah. Um, I, I am expecting things to be pretty difficult for Virginia Tech in the passing game, not yeah. just because of the matchups outside, but I don't think Hendon Hooker is going to get a lot of time to throw. But your your original question was how can Virginia Tech cover the spread? And it starts with having a semblance of a running game. They're going to have to connect on a few passes downfield. And on the other side of the ball, they're going to have to turn over Clemson at least once, if not twice. Yeah to try and keep some points from getting on the board. Um, we all know Clemson can put up points in a hurry. They've got two stud quarterbacks. Uh, Trevor Lawrence obviously will be here for this game. He's probably going to have uh, quite the field day <laughs> in, in Lane Stadium. Um, Travis Etienne is a matchup nightmare. I don't know of anyone on Virginia Tech's defense that is really suited to cover him just because of how dynamic he is. Uh, so it, it's, it's going to be rough for the defense, but if they can somehow keep Clemson under 40, I mean, I, I think that that would, that would give Virginia Tech a really good chance to cover here. Agree. Um, 
I obviously don't think they're going to win, even if that happens. But right, we're all we're only talking about how can Virginia Tech keep this somewhat close, and and right. not not be absolutely flat out embarrassed like they were against Pitt. Um, that that's what we're trying to get at here, and Virginia Tech can do that, but they have to play like a competent football team, and they didn't do that versus Pitt. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm just looking at. ESPN's football power index, which take it that what you will. I don't really buy any of that stuff, but I want to bring this up because Clemson has an 87.2% chance to win this game. I think that's low. Um, I, it's probably like 90. It's, it's yeah. probably 9 and 10 or maybe even higher. Yeah. Um, I mean, Virginia Tech still does have some talent. And I mean, if Clemson just goes out there and messes around and just isn't focused, then they, they the Virginia Tech can at least stay within a touchdown. Agree. Um, and if that happens, then you, you then who knows? But odds are Clemson is going to score early and often, and Virginia Tech is going to have a lot of problems scoring and keeping Clemson off the board. I, I think in order for Virginia Tech to cover, I think they need to do what Boston College did. Now the issue with that, and and if you guys remember, that was back about a month ago. Boston College, what they were able to do against Clemson is they were able to push the ball down the field a bit uh, with Phil Dracovic and those receivers. And Virginia Tech's receiving core, while they don't have a single player that can take over a game like Zay Flowers has shown the ability to consistently or like Hunter Long has at tight end, Virginia Tech is a bit deeper at receiver um, at the skill positions than Boston College is. The thing about that, though, is that BC has had a lot more success pushing the ball down the field this year. They Boston College knew going into the game against Clemson, they were not going to be able to run the football well. Um, they instead just resorted to slaying it around like 45 times and letting the chips fall where they may. Now, Clemson, the, the important thing to note about that game is that Clemson did not have Trevor Lawrence. DJ Uwe Angelale was making his first start at quarterback for the Tigers. Um, he ended up throwing for like 300 yards. So they're in good hands moving forward. Uh, but shocker. It, <laughs> I know. And they got another five star behind him, by the way. So they're they're good for a while. Um, so the the key and, and the way to move the ball against Clemson's defense is pushing the ball down the field against the secondary, because while the front seven, Ricky, is not as good as it's been in recent years, it's still it's still a top three rushing defense in the conference. Pittsburgh's rushing defense just happens to be elite this year. So it's even better than Clemson's and if this is going to be the down year for Clemson's rushing defense, then uh, I'd sign up for that 10 times out of 10. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but the key is to, to challenge Clemson's young corners. This is a young defense and challenging Clemson's young secondary is the way to go. Now, statistically, the secondary has been pretty good for Clemson. I, I'm going to try to look for this David Hale tweet real quick, but Ricky, just like general thoughts about kind of that thought of maybe, trying to throw the ball on this Clemson defense is the path. I don't, I don't know if tech can do it consistently enough like Boston college could, but I think that is a way for tech to keep this competitive. The only it is. It's just, yeah. And you, how much time is Hendon going to get to, to throw the football? I mean, is he going to be, right. is he going to be running for his life? I mean, if, if Clemson isn't forced to reckon with the running game, then it's not really going to matter what kind of matchups they're able to create on the outside. Right. Uh, because Hendon's just not going to have time to get the ball there. And we've seen Hendon's had some accuracy problems uh, this year that we didn't see as much of last year, which um, is funny because 
uh, his completion percentage last time I checked was actually higher than it was last year. His efficiency is down, I, I believe, but um, there, there are some matchups to be won out there. I think that they can find ways to get James Mitchell involved. Um, I think he's kind of a matchup problem for most teams in the country, just because of his size and, and his, his athleticism. Obviously Trey Turner is somebody who can make plays. Uh, Tavion Robinson has shown the ability to make some plays, but if if they're not going to give Hendon Hooker more time to throw the football, then none of that really matters. And, Agreed. Um, I don't know if if Brice is going to be available for this game. I think he is. Um, if he is, that's a giant problem. Yeah, because that dude is a monster. He is JJ Watt reincarnate. Like that guy. That guy's going to be a first round draft pick. Would be my guess. Um. Like he's he, and, and even if he isn't available, Clemson's defensive line has still been very productive without him and because he has missed a few games. So if if tech isn't able to 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 slow those guys up front, then nothing on the outside really matters. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm looking at this. So this is from David Hale. Um we'll talk about Brian Brisky in a second. He's he had no ligament damage. Uh, he, he was unavailable for a Notre Dame game. Um, and he, he's been trying to fight his way back into the lineup. So he may be available, um, but we're just going to have to. If he to. is, huge problem. Yeah, huge problem. Um, Tyler Davis is definitely going to be healthy, and he's even better than Brissy. So that's defensive line is getting healthier. Um, Clemson secondary. So it's been kind of the quote unquote sore spot for Clemson this year, but listen to these statistics. So their top three cornerbacks are Kendrick Jones and Booth. So <laughs> Darion Kendrick, three completions on 15 targets. That's tied for first in the FBS for 69 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He's got five pass breakups and an opposing QBR of 17.1 passes going against him. Now that's, he's their top corner, right? Clemson's other two cornerbacks are young, right? So Jones and Booth. Jones, uh, when targeted, 8 of 23 for 138 yards and interception. Booth, when targeted, 8 of 23 for 143 yards, two interceptions. So Clemson's young corners are starting to gain confidence. Um, but with that being said, I, I think if you want to, you know, have the best chance of success in this football game, I think it's try to establish the run with Khalil Herbert and find some semblance of a downfield passing game to generate chunk plays. Because if you try to grind it out with Clemson for four quarters, you're going to get squashed. This yeah. is not a game that Tech's going to be able to do what they've been doing all year with Cornelson, where he calls, okay, first down run, second down run, that's third and eight. Okay, we're going to run it again. And then it's like fourth and four, and now we're going to go for it at our own 40. You don't do that against Clemson. That's not going to work. You got to just take some chances downfield, trust your quarterback, which is something they haven't done all year. You got to trust your quarterback to make plays down the field. Like you mentioned, if, if they get after the pass or get after head and hooker, this whole thing's going to be moot anyway, as far as trying to generate chunk plays in the passing game. But you have to just take some shots. And if I'm Virginia Tech in this football game, don't play a conservative. What do you have to lose? You're four and five. The entire fan base hates this coaching staff right now. Just like get after it and call some fakes, you know, call some downfield passes. Play, play to win. Don't play not to get blown out. Play to win. Um, play play I, to totally win. Agree. Totally. I agree. think 
I think Tech fans would, would much rather Tech lose this game by 30-plus if they felt like Virginia Tech pulled out all the stops to, to, to go for it and to win this game rather than if Tech just played it uber-conservative and played not to lose by 15, you know, like – um, as a as a as a former Redskins fan, watching the Bill Callahan era when Che Gruden was was let go, and and Bill Callahan was running the show, Bill Callahan was calling games so the so they didn't get blown out, right? He was calling games so they didn't lose by twenty one, because right. the team was that bad. Right. I don't want to see Justin Fuente and Brad Cornelson do the same thing on Saturday night. I want them to just go for broke because, like you said, what do you have to lose at this point? Totally agree. Defensively, Virginia Tech going up against Clemson's offense. So we know about Lawrence and ETN. The thing that's interesting about Clemson this year is they haven't run the ball particularly well, which is interesting because Travis ETN is the best running back in college football, in my opinion. Um, he has been deadly in the passing game. Um, yeah, so that, Clemson- that's where he that's where he really is. is, is a, and that's the thing with Clemson, man. Travis Etienne's their best player. They know it. Everyone in the country knows it. Clemson doesn't care. Yeah. Clemson's going to give them the ball however the hell they want to give them the ball. And right. we don't see that with Virginia Tech as much. Yeah, um, ETN, I mean, he's he's definitely Lawrence's best skill player. ETN, 692 yards rushing and 12 touchdowns on the year, but he also has 511 yards receiving, um, only two touchdowns in that category, but he's averaging almost 13 yards per catch. So he's been deadly. Um, he's a very versatile back. He's going to be great at the NFL level because it's turned into a league where he not only run the ball a lot, but you got to catch the ball out of the backfield if you're a running back. He's shown that. Um, this is not a Travis Etienne problem. This is an often young offensive line issue for Clemson. They're a young team. They're a very good team, but they're a young team. The, the fact that they're not running the football well by their own standards is not going to impact them in this football game. It may impact them against the better teams in the country come the ACC championship or the playoff. We already saw their lack of a running back, run, lack of a running game, excuse me, come back to hurt them in the Notre Dame game in that loss earlier this year. I'm curious to see if that kind of plays itself out. Even if Clemson gets by Notre Dame in the ACC championship game, like in the playoff, like Clemson could certainly see Notre Dame again for a third time in the playoff. They could see uh, potentially in Alabama, obviously. Um, I don't know what Ohio State situation is going to be. They could be in, they might not be. Regardless, Clemson is going to see some teams that can expose the fact they can't run the ball and they can match up with defensively in the secondary that could potentially cause them some problems and throw their offense out of rhythm a little bit. Trevor Lawrence, there's nothing that he hasn't seen at this point. He's completing 71% of his passes, 2,200 yards this year, and that's missing games due to COVID, yeah. by the way. He, he's having one of the quietest, best seasons uh, in all of in all of college football, like people have kind of stopped talking about him uh, because he's missed some time, um, and because Uyagale had such a, a good run while he was out. But and then you've got guys like Zach Wilson who's having a great year at BYU, and you've got all these teams that are getting games postponed, and Trevor Lawrence is just over here kind of ho hum, having a terrific season. Uh, but I, I do think you're right. Like this this Clemson team is definitely not the best we've seen them since Dabo's run started, but they're still really damn good. And um, Virginia Tech fans, I think for the most part, realize that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Trevor, I mean, as long as you have Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne on your side of the fence, there's only 
you, you can only be so bad, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, don't take Trevor Lawrence for granted. Not that you do, Ricky. I'm just saying, like, in general, nope. listeners, don't take him for granted. He's nope. one of the best college quarterbacks ever. He will kick your ass. Yes. Um, he's going to give Virginia Tech a bad time in this game. Um, I don't have a whole lot else to say here other than Clemson's receivers. So really athletic, really good, also really young, but they're starting to emerge. Cornell Powell has turned into a really good player for them. Um, he's been kind of their explosive player down the field. Clemson hasn't had Justin Ross all year. He had a neck issue that was diagnosed in the offseason, had some surgery done. Um, it's something he was born with, so I'm glad they some sort of spinal injury, spinal defect. Um, so they were able to locate that and, and repair it in the offseason, but he hasn't played all year for Clemson. He was the one guy you were looking at coming out of the playoff last year, and you're like, oh, my God, that guy is coming back. He's going to be a monster. Uh, but without him, Clemson has found uh, a passing game that is obviously very good with Amari Rogers, who's the veteran. Uh, Cornell Powell averaging almost, I mean, averaging over 16 yards per catch. Travis Etienne's been a weapon out of the backfield. Frank Ladson's been really good. Braden Galloway. I was about to say, you know who Virginia Tech has absolutely no answer for on defense? Frank Ladson. Yeah, agree. There is not a single person in the Virginia Tech secondary that's going to be able to to cover him. Yeah, agree. Um, He's a problem. He's 6'3". He's fast. He's really He plays like he's 6'8". It's kind of ridiculous. He jumps out the gym. Um, Cornell Powell. He, he, he catches with his hands, so he's able to go up higher. Like, he's not this just height, weight, speed guy who has no skill. Like, Frank Ladson is is really, really talented. Yeah, Ladson is um, the closest thing on this roster that they've had to, like, a DeAndre Hopkins type or a Sammy Watkins type. Like, maybe not as good, but the same, like, I right. think the same play style. Right, the, it, Exactly. Play style alone. Cornell Powell is their speed, like speedster, just like home run hitting guy. Amari Rogers, really reliable slot receiver who obviously can make a lot of plays after the catch and he's outstanding as well. So um, they have a really good receiving core uh, that causes problems. Um, I think Clemson overall offensively is going to give Virginia Tech a ton of issues in this football Over game. Over under 50. I'm going to say I'm going to say under and the reason why I'm going to say under is the weather's going to be bad. Uh, Clemson is going to want to get their starters out of the game early in a blowout because they have Notre Dame in the ACC championship in two weeks. Um, I think they're going to want to make sure that they don't get anybody banged up unnecessarily. So I'm going to say under for that purpose. Is the weather going to be bad or just cold? I'm, I'm pulling up the forecast now cold and rainy oh it is going to be raining cold and raining yeah okay well that that does kind of change change kind of the um i guess the mindset for Clemson because you're right because it's not like it's just going to be a track meet and and what does clemson what does clemson have to gain by blowing out virginia tech i don't know i I guess maybe they just shut people up about two acc teams getting right right now I, i will say I will say that um, they they want to leave no doubt, right? So yeah. they're going to leave no doubt. That that's not really a, a question for me. All right. So hold on here. Nighttime, Blacksburg, low of twenty six, only a twelve percent chance of rain. Okay. So the rain sounds like it may clear out. And in a twenty five percent chance of rain during the day. So there, if there is a there is a slight chance of rain, and it 
should be gone by nighttime, but that still, forecast cold, changed a little bit. A cold, wet field sucks. <laughs> yes. And and Ricky, I, I think now's a good time to uh, bring in our guest correspondent, um, Andrew, Alex. Are, are you with us? Yeah, I mean, I'm in Blacksburg, and I can tell you it's cold. <laughs> it's not wet yet, though. Fair but, enough. So. I have to be intellectually honest, right? And on the radio show, we talk about everything. We talk about NFL. We talk about what have you. And I, I've said for the NFL, it's Derrick Henry season. It would be hard not for me to say it's Travis Etienne season. Right. right. <laughs> that being said, it could be Khalil Herbert season. However, the, the, the cards are not necessarily stacked in favor of Virginia Tech there, whereas – when you have a Virginia Tech defense that is struggled against the run against low quality teams, agree. It, it, it's hard to say. <laughs> it, I agree. So, so Andrew, let me let me ask you this because Ricky and I were talking about this a, a little while ago, just before you jumped on. So, from a what what do you believe is the key for Virginia Tech to cover cover the spread in this football game? Like, what do you think the one he is what we kind of came to the conclusion to between the two of us is that the path is essentially for Virginia Tech to find a way to run the ball against this banged up Clemson front seven that that's kind of the path we thought because even though Clemson struggled against Boston College in a game where Tech was able to push the ball consistently down the field neither Ricky nor myself and I I just have a feeling knowing your thoughts on this podcast multiple times. I, I have a feeling you also don't think that Virginia Tech can consistently push the ball down the field and create explosive plays that way against Clemson. But what do you think is the best way to cover the spread in this game if you're Virginia Tech as a 22-point underdog at home? Well, I mean, like, realistically, it's going to come down to forcing turnovers, right? I don't think that in a three and out situation, Virginia Tech can force that many turn like can force that many three and outs against Clemson, right? Clemson is an all-world team. And, and that's the nature of college football. You have a small amount of teams who are above the level of everybody else. And Clemson is obviously at that level. It's hard, but I mean, you look back to 2016, Clemson had Deshaun Watson, Clemson had Mike Williams, Clemson had a lot of players who ended up going to the NFL. And Virginia Tech, though, I think that nobody would say that Virginia Tech's current squad is anywhere near equivalent in terms of talent to that team that had Isaiah Ford, Bucky Hodges, and a defense that featured players who are all playing on Sundays right now is even in the level of comparison to them because they're not, but that same Clemson team, or maybe it wasn't the same Clemson team, but Clemson teams within a year range lost to Syracuse. So it's college football upsets happen. Turnover differential is a thing there. Virginia tech. I mean, there's like multiple keys because basically everything has to go right. Am I not wrong? (laughs) Virginia Tech would have to run the ball with Khalil Herbert like they did against teams like Duke and like they did against teams like NC State. And they'd have to do it as efficiently. And then at the same time, they'd have to force a couple of turnovers. And that's how they would win. It's not something I'm banking on. It's not something I think is going to happen. But 
it's college football, so you always have to consider it as a possibility. That being said, the way that Clemson is constructed with Travis Etienne, one of the great running backs in ACC history, it's hard to imagine this ending well. It's almost easier to imagine him ending with a career high (laughs) than it is this game ending with a Virginia Tech win. And I know I'm not usually the pessimistic guy on this podcast. I'm usually the guy that's that's rooting, rooting, rooting for the home team. But push me back if you think I'm wrong. You're not. I mean, that's what that's kind of what we've been saying is that like tech tech has to go balls to the wall in this game, and um, they, they they've got to do all the little things right, and then they have to do a couple big things, and that's just to keep this game close and. Um, some people are going to say that we're, you know, being too doomy and gloomy, but sorry, that's just the way it is. Tech Tech is not a good football team. Clemson is a very good football team. There is a very good chance that Clemson wins this game by, th- by four plus scores. Uh, and I know Tech fans don't want to hear that, but I think most reasonable Tech fans have co- kind of come to that conclusion that this game is not going to be all that entertaining. Well, at the end of the day, this schedule came out in August, right? And when we saw Clemson at the end of the year, we wrote that down as an L. And unfortunately for Justin Foote and Virginia Tech, they had a bunch of games that were written in as W's or maybes. And a bunch of those W's, that being Wake Forest, that being Liberty, and I don't know if we were writing Pittsburgh in as a W, but it was a game that we thought we had an advantage in. And those are all losses. Miami certainly wasn't written in as a W, but it's a game that they lost. And when you have those four losses on the record, this Clemson game, which we thought maybe in a ideal Virginia Tech season, they come in with one loss or two losses it wouldn't have mattered it would have been something that they roll over us and it's it's Clemson it's Trevor Lawrence it's Travis Etienne it's one of the great examples of how to build a college football program but now that Virginia Tech as a program and Justin Fuente especially as a coach has his back against the wall the pressure is there, and I don't necessarily know what the pressure is for because a win is certainly not likely, <laughs> right? <laughs> but not a chance. Yeah. What, well, what can you do to prove yourself? Cover that twenty-two point spread? I, I, I'm not sure if there's a exact solution there, but now, especially now that ESPN has put the game in prime time, and Virginia Tech fans who for years have been begging to get more prime time games have to experience a potential blowout loss with the nation watching. It's certainly not good for PR. And for Justin Fuente, who is trying to fight back against a rabid fan base who has almost universally turned against him. I mean, there are people who aren't against him, but those seem to be few and far between. And as each day passes, that number becomes lower and lower. Well, this that, seems that, to be almost a worst possible case scenario for Virginia Tech, right? 
Well, and, and that's that's actually a great transition because Virginia Tech today announces that as an athletic department, they have cost saving measures that they're hoping will save 15 million, right, to help offset losses from the pandemic. So what does this mean? This means salary reductions, financial contributions and efficiencies per Andy Bitter from the athletic, which basically means that this is essentially just furloughing employees and letting people go. Um, so there are a couple of different items I want to hit on here uh, quickly before we get into our ACC picks. The first part of this is that this money, and this is important for people to understand, this isn't like Virginia Tech finding the buyout money, right? This mm-hmm. is coming from a different. This is coming from a different pool of dollars. Um, so if Virginia Tech were to buy out Justin Fuente, they're not buying out Justin Fuente with the money that they're saving um, as part of these cost-saving measures uh, that the athletic department is alluding to. The conversation that I want to have here is the, this is what Whit Babcock's going to be juggling, right, as the athletic director. He's going to be juggling the optics of letting people go right in a pandemic right before christmas he's juggling the fact that he's cutting people's salaries he's juggling the fact that there are ways that he's had to find a financial resolution right for the athletic department in a very difficult year he he needs to balance that right with the fact that he now needs to try to appease a fan base that is looking for a new head coach. Now, does that mean Whip Babcock ultimately moves on from Justin Fuente at the end of the year? We've talked about this a million times on this podcast. Look, th- this buyout drops to $10 million, um, in mid-December here in a couple of weeks following the UVA game. Um, so if Whip Babcock were to make a move, uh, it would not be at the $12.5 million price tag. It would be a $10 million price tag. But then there's, like Ricky talked about last week, there's there's you know, the staff that needs to be bought out as well. And then there's hiring staff from a pool of candidates that I don't think is really all that good in this offseason, right? So there are multiple elements to this, but guys, I'd like to get your input on the news today and how you believe that it impacts both Virginia Tech as an athletic department moving forward and how it directly affects the decision-making of the football program and the future of it either under Justin Fuente or under somebody else. Well, like, I want to almost thank you for clarifying that because if Justin Fuente does get bought out of this contract and we know it's a pandemic, we have seen the financial hits that people have taken. And that's widespread. That's across the board. That's across the country. And people are struggling. But that being said, If Justin Fuente were to get bought out, this is a situation where the athletic department has gone to a group of, let's not sugarcoat it, millionaires, in some situation, billionaires, who are highly invested in this football program and the success of this football program, and said, look, if you're not willing to donate with this guy are you willing to donate to get rid of this guy and we've talked plenty of times about this on this podcast before perception is in fact reality 
And if your donors aren't bought in, and if your fan base isn't bought in, the future isn't going to look right. I understand the counter-arguments to the firing of Justin Fuente. I don't personally think Justin Fuente is all that bad of a coach. I have been more than willing on this podcast and just generally to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I don't think it's the right fit. And if 12 donors at $1 million a piece are willing to give that money to buy out Justin Fonte, buy out his staff, and give this program an opportunity to start anew, that doesn't necessarily reflect on the athletic department doing a little bit of salary cuts because that money right there, that only exists because the question was asked, do you think the program is better off without Justin Fuente? And if those people say yes, well, that's how they choose to spend their money. And that money might not necessarily be there to save the low man on the totem pole in so-and-so department. And I love the people in the athletic department. And Ricky, you've worked closely with that athletic department too. And you know those are hardworking, good people. But this is not the same pool of money. This is not the same pool of money. So you cannot compare so-and-so getting a 10% salary reduction to Justin Fuente being bought out. College football is a business. And it's been talked about on this podcast. It's been talked about on other podcasts before. You lose 5,000 season ticket holders. Not just season ticket holders. 5,000 people in the stadium by any measure. In one year. And that is the cost of Justin Fuentes' buyout. And I look at this fan base, and it's not just Twitter, but Twitter is a good indication. There doesn't seem to be a lot of hope. And you look at the results on the field, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of hope. And I I think that everyone would be better off with a fresh start, including Justin Fuente, who I think could be successful elsewhere. So what I will say is for those criticizing the athletic department saying, you're going to buy this guy out in the middle of the pandemic. Well, business is business. And that's the reality of the situation. College football, like any organization, runs as a business. And I think it could do more harm than good to keep Justin Fuente, assuming that the trend continues. Because quite frankly, like I said, perception is reality. And I don't see perception getting much better anytime soon. And I don't see, even with a a halfway decent season next season, perception getting better. I think that the trust is gone and it's time to start anew. And and Ricky, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I want to preface everything that I'm about to say uh, with the fact that I, it, it really hurt when I saw the news today. Um, I do have friends that have worked for Virginia Tech, friends that still work for Virginia Tech, uh, and it sucks. I I don't know specific people who have been laid off. Um, I do know or have an idea as to which departments those people, or at least some of those layoffs are occurring and those salary reductions, and uh, it's not fair to them. There are a lot of really talented people exceptional, caring, generous, um, just all around 
fantastic people inside that department. And it was a joy working with them uh, hand in hand when I was uh, in town as the beat writer for TSL. So for me, that, that was kind of the most important thing I wanted to, to get out there is that um, people are losing their jobs. People are losing their salaries or at least part of it. Um, and that, that part sucks. And I think just if you, as a human, um, it, it's important to acknowledge that before we finish the rest of the, of the discussion, it, it is an important distinction as Mike pointed out that this money is coming from two separate sources, um, that, that cannot be overlooked. The biggest issue here is, is obviously the optics of putting in an unknown number of people out of work and cutting the salaries of an unknown number of people um, right before Christmas, right before the holidays, um, when a lot of people are already tight on money because they may have of their loved ones or may have lost jobs elsewhere where they're dealing with kids not being in school and they have increased expenses there and childcare and things of that nature. Um, and then you have the optics of them getting extra money from donors to fire a football coach and to fire his staff. That's, that's going to be a tough sell for some people. Um, some of the fan base won't have an issue with it. And I understand that reasoning and personally I'm kind of torn. I don't really know where I sit on this. Um, I, I've always been kind of, of, of against the firing from the start just because of the financial impact and what that does for, for the tech department, that money could be used for a lot of different things. And with money being tight right now for a lot of people and Virginia tech on the verge of a capital campaign coming up, I'm not sure how, how Virginia Tech should handle that, honestly. I wrote a, a, a column uh, two weeks ago now about what Whit Babcock's options were, and I advocated for kind of the middle of the road where Babcock starts to get Fuente to make some, some serious changes on his staff to try and force Fuente's hand and to force him to recognize some of his, his faults and failures. I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't really know what's going to happen. I don't know what should happen, but all I do know is that when you have an unknown number of people losing their jobs, um, not because of performance, but because of entirely external circumstances, it's, it's hard to get a lot of people to be full on board with uh, Virginia Tech coming up with extra money uh, that isn't related to that, but I guess theoretically could have been put into the operating budget um, and to, to get that extra money just to, to fire a football coach. Um, well, Ricky, I, I just want to say, just to clarify, there are people, you know, in the online world who say it's immoral to pay out this guy. And we don't know if Justin Fuente is going to be brought out. Right. We don't yeah. But if he were to be, some people will say it's immoral to buy out this guy when you are making salary cuts and potentially, as we know, staff cuts in that athletic department. But that money, like Mike said, is not coming from the same place. That money wouldn't exist in the athletic department's pocket if it weren't to 
make a coaching change. So would you agree or disagree that it's immoral to do so? Because I don't think it's necessarily immoral. Um, it's just a, it's a, it, it's a different avenue of doing business, I guess. Um, and it's I, a situation that has never existed in the past, right? So yeah, like this is, this is a completely unprecedented situation. Like the, the, there is no, there's no playbook for this. Like when you become an athletic yeah. director and, and, you know, people are you know trying to help you out with things to do, like you, you don't get taught how to handle a, a global pandemic and its financial impacts. Like So everyone's kind of working behind the eight ball here. And um, this is going to be one of the, the more consequential, consequential decisions of what Babcock's tenure as athletic director in Blacksburg and ultimately the decision lays in his hands. So I don't think it's immoral. I think some people need to um, stop with the, the holier than thou mentality and yep. realize that there, that there are different ways to look at this. Uh, you, you don't have to immediately accuse people of being insensitive or immoral um, just because they have a differing opinion than you. So it's 2020 though. That's what you're supposed to do. I, I, <laughs> I, I have found it to be, I guess crazy would be the easiest word I could use that even situations like the firing of a football coach or, or, or just the, you know, the, the status of a football coach's job plays in so deeply to this pandemic, but that's the world we live in. Right. And that's not, something that anyone could have expected i mean we've been doing this podcast for over a year now and we have talked about just one day's job security before but <laughs> we never thought about the idea of the financial repercussions of a pandemic playing into that but one other thing that needs to be thought about is to pay 10 million dollars or whatever the number will be on December 10th is not just with Babcock's decision, but that's the decision of the board of visitors, the high horse for lack of a better term <laughs> at Virginia tech. And will they be willing to dish out that money? Because I've said it before, when I talk about Justin Funday's job, perception is reality. And for a university that has, force their students to go online that is essentially in a low QA complaining about the lack of money that they're making because of the pandemic. And they're not complaining. I mean, it's reality. When you don't have X amount of students on campus, it's not going to be as lucrative of a situation as it usually is to fund the university as it is. But the Board of Visitors doesn't care about football that much and they could be the people that say Ixnay, keep this guy it's a better look for us to go with front day for another year and then maybe fire him later or give him another chance whatever it may be because i mean at the end of the day the optic scenario for us three as football enthusiasts, as people who really care about this program and people who have a real understanding of this program, understand that maybe if the trend continues, keeping him might not be the great situation. 
But for the Board of Visitors, who primarily cares about academics, that's not their top priority. And for them, the results in the football field might be significantly outweighed by those optics. What do you think about that, Mike? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the uh, what I've always said is I think the the real discussion to be had here is how Whit Babcock views it, right? Because the pandemic, from a financial standpoint, is something that uh, can be blunted from. You know, I, I think it's going to the the impact of COVID is going to last a little bit more than a year, right? But if we're looking at it in contrast to apathy from a head coach. Uh, from a head for a head coach from a fan base, right? Apathy um, about the program, poor play from the program. That that means less money from donors. It means less money from season ticket holders. It means revenue losses that could span more than a year, right? More than a pandemic. Um, you're talking about multiple years of revenue issues if you hold on to a coach for too long um, that isn't generating results. And I think that's the battle that Whit Babcock is wagering right now, right? And I think if you're looking at it from the outside looking in and you're thinking of it from a pure business standpoint, like Whit, Whit needs to make a business decision. And some of this is in his hands, some of it's not. I mean, ultimately, if they're going to buy out a contract, Andrew, like you mentioned, it comes down to the board of visitors and the athletic department signing off on that, right? And the president signing off on that. It doesn't come from Whit Babcock unilaterally saying, yeah, we're firing this guy. Like that needs to get approval, right? And in a lot of cases it would. What makes this difficult this year is that it is a COVID year. It's um, a year that has caused major financial hardship to the athletic department and athletic departments across all of college athletics. And now you're asking to have approval of paying a $10 million buyout when you could be using that money, reinvesting it in the athletic department um, and trying to just punt this down the line another year. Because, I mean, folks are saying, yeah, Virginia Tech's bottomed out against Pittsburgh. And I agree, Virginia Tech has bottomed out. They're, they're four and five on the year they're going to lose to Clemson on Saturday. And then the UVA game is at best a toss up at the end of the year. So what are you looking at five and six? And then you could maybe get into a bowl game with that this year. Um, Which is looking less and less likely given the amount of ACC tie-ins that are not, are not playing. Right. Because of, of bowl games, they're getting canceled. And look the the way that, the way that I look at this is how much, worse is it actually going to be a year from now i mean there are a lot of like doomsday fans out there but but the way i look at it like even if you hire a new coach it's going to be bad next year right like if you get rid of if you get rid of justin fuente the day after the uva game you're bumping up right up against that early signing day right when a lot of guys are going to commit to virginia tech this is be a terrible good. that's a terrible situation but there's no great situations given what Virginia Tech has been dealt, right? Right, but this isn't a, I mean, this this is an okay roster, but from a depth standpoint, it is not very good. And at the end of the day, that does fall on the head coach, but you're going to be in an even worse situation when you get rid of him, right? And you're going to lose the recruits that you do have that are preparing to sign on early signing day. A lot of those guys aren't going to sign. I mean, you're you're going to have like no real recruits, 
and you're going to have to pay a buyout and a new head coach, instead of starting from scratch, he's going to be starting from less than scratch. He's not even going to have a, a real recruiting class because of the early signing day period when it falls and when the buyout drops, unless, you know, you want to fire him right after Clemson game and pay 12 and a half million. I mean, we know that's not happening. So there's no, there's no good answers here. And I'm also not advocating for just keeping Fuente because of a recruiting class. That's not very good to begin with either. That, that's not what I'm saying, but it is a factor in this. And I don't know what the correct answer is. What I think may happen is I think, and I've kind of stood by this all along. I think that this could be time for a change at offensive coordinator. You can make some changes and shakeups, additional shakeups to the recruiting staff. And then you can see if Fuente can turn it around one more year in a non COVID affected environment. But I don't know what, will ultimately happen. I think after the Pittsburgh game and how that looked, I think all bets are off. Um, but look, I mean, I think ultimately it's a discussion for a different day. Let's see how tech looks this Saturday against Clemson. Do they put up a fight? Let's see how the UVA game looks. You know, I doubt that Whit Babcock's going to make a decision based off of one or two game sample size. I mean, this is going to be a holistic decision. This isn't going to be, Oh, how does he look against UVA? How does he look in an individual game against Clemson? This is going to be a body of work type thing. And from that standpoint, I think Fuente and the staff have the odds stacked against him a little bit. I mean, to some extent, Mike, though, with the way that, and again, I'll mention perception being a reality, maybe the Clemson game does matter to some extent because obviously a large portion of this fan base is done with this guy. And the 22 and a half point spread to cover is a lot. And that's, it's been mentioned on Twitter and other things. This is the largest deficit that Virginia Tech has had at home in terms of a Vegas spread since Frank Beamer's second year. But if Virginia Tech can hang tight with Clemson and beat UVA, I do think perception would be slightly more in favor of Justin Fuente. And for Whit Babcock, who is not looking to spend money but has to, if he has to, because you can't have a lame duck coach forever. And even even one year, you say, okay, you fire him and the recruits will all leave. How is he going to recruit when every tweet that Virginia Tech football has says, Hashtag fire Fuente 1,500 times in the replies. Like, this program can't turn into Arkansas football. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, Arkansas just hired Sam Pittman, who was a position coach. Seems to have worked out fine for him so far. I, I don't know. Ultimately, I think the Virginia game will have a more of an impact than the Clemson game. Agree. If, totally if, agree. If yeah, certainly, a, certainly. If it's certainly. a super close decision and wits on the fence, how they play against UVA will matter more. ACC picks. North Carolina is a 41-point favorite against <laughs> Western Carolina. Ricky, I found a spread for this. I found a spread. <laughs> of course you did, Mike. I found what a spread. It? This is a noon game. It's senior day at Keenan Stadium in Chapel Hill. 41-point spread. You're picking 41. North Carolina, right? 41, you 41. said? 41. 41. Uh... No way. Western Carolina. Wow. Oh, that makes one of us. I'm picking North Carolina. Okay. 
41. Man. I mean, couple, like, I, there were some times I couldn't beat teams in NCAA by 41. Fair enough, but North Carolina can. 230 <laughs> on NBC. Number two, Notre Dame, 9-0. and Taking on one and nine Syracuse, Notre Dame, a 34 point favorite against the terrible Syracuse Orange on senior day over under is 51 and a half. Ricky, what say you here? I really thought about going with Syracuse, but I'm not. I'm going to go with the Irish. Going with the Irish. Me too. Me too. I bet on Syracuse uh, to cover the spread against Louisville on a Friday night a couple weeks ago. And hmm, yeah. That went quite poorly. All right. Um, not going to make that mistake again. 3.30 ESPN3. This is like Jefferson Pilot Raycom sports territory, you know, from the old <laughs> days. Like regional sports networks. Um, UVA, a four-point favorite at home against Boston College, over under 54 and a half. Don't know Phil Dracovic's status in this football game for Boston College. He left the game oh, really? last, last Saturday. Hopefully he can play. Um, trending that way. But BC's an underdog here, Rick. So can I get like a caveat then on this? If yep. Dracovic doesn't play? Absolutely. Okay. If he doesn't play, I'll take I'll take the who's. If he does play, I'm hammering BC. Agree. Agree. I think the wrong team's favorite if Dracovic's healthy. I yes. Think the wrong team's absolutely. Um, um BC is better than Virginia. I agree. And as a um, matter of fact, if BC doesn't turn the ball over five times against Virginia Tech, they win that game. Agree. Um, even, <laughs> not even saying anything sp- controversial here. <laughs> well, even though the spread was what it was, right? I mean, uh, you know, the eventual ending point spread in that game, what was it like 41 to 16 or something like that? Like, yeah. And real, real quick, we should note because it, it, his, his last bit's going to be edited out. Andrew just completely left our zoom call. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. By the way, if I don't, why there, wait, hold on. There he is. I think Andrew might be coming in Andrew completely just, just, bailed on the zoom call in the hey, middle my of phone the right, ricky my phone is janky <laughs> <laughs> all right andrew real quick we got to get your picks because we've already we've already done a couple games mike we had mike had a 41 point line between western carolina and the tar heels oh my god <laughs> <laughs> give me the tar heels oh lame i took i took western carolina go ahead go like um I, I took north carolina yeah, Notre Dame at home, 34 points over Syracuse. Syracuse. Oof, couldn't be me. <laughs> and then uh, we had BC at UVA, UVA four-point favorite. Boston College. And apparently Dracovic may not play. How, how sure are we that Dracovic is not going to play? We're not sure. However, not Mike sure. did give me a, a caveat. So if Dracovic doesn't play, I got the Who's. If Dracovic does play, I got BC. Uh, that's unfair. I will go balls to the Dude, I suck. Say, I'm this the box, worst picker in here. Official, I deserve a caveat. Is, Forget you guys. This is the, Ricky, this is the official Virginia Tech podcast of Dennis Grossell. Give me BC either way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mike, you can go ahead and resume hosting the uh, the picks here after we caught Andrew up. My, my pick my pick is Boston College. Um, four o'clock ACC Network, Georgia Tech on the road at NC State. NC State, six and a half point favorite. Total in this game is 60. Who you guys got? Wolfpack. If I had my camera on, actually, I can easily just turn my camera on. <laughs> then why didn't you turn Wolfpack. it on earlier? Wolfpack. <laughs> <laughs> 
this podcast is completely gone off the rails at this point. Um, I'm also taking the Wolfpack. Okay. Um, Eight o'clock ACC network, number 10, Miami on the road at Duke, Miami, a 15 point favorite against the terrible Duke blue devils. Who you guys got really quick. I was watching the tech game basketball game tonight. The AC network had a promo for this game and it was like a 30 second bit. Miami was like the preview for like 20 seconds of the promo. And then they did like a quick little bit on Duke and then they went like right to the end of the promo. So clearly AC network has no good highlights for Duke football which is understandable. They're two and seven. Uh, give me the Canes. Duke football has a two-game winning streak against the Miami Hurricanes. Give me Duke money line. Okay, Dad, turn off the podcast. Pause. Yeah, no, Miami. <laughs> <laughs> My dad, dad went to Duke. His dad went to Duke. <laughs> All right, Mike. The moment we've all been waiting for, gentlemen. Number two, oh, no, Mike, who did you pick? I didn't hear who you picked. Miami's pick. Okay. All right. Sorry. Number three, Clemson on the road in Blacksburg against our Virginia Tech Hokies, our alma mater. Clemson, a 22-point favorite. Who you guys got? There is a 1% chance that Virginia Tech covers this spread. So you can guess where, which way I'm going. Virginia Tech is going to lose this game by more than 22 points. I will be watching this game with a tech buddy of mine who cannot be mentioned on air at the moment. We'll possibly change that. Um, I will be somewhat inebriated watching this game. And, fellas, I hope you will as well. Ricky, I will be extremely inebriated watching this game. And I'll be extremely inebriated now. What's the motto, boys? Hope for the best. Expect the worst. Give me Clemson. I am going to take Clemson uh, to cover, although I do think it's going to be pretty close to that 22-point spread. I don't think it's going to be as as big of a blowout. I mean, 22 is a lot of points. I, mean, I had, I had a buddy of mine ask me like 30 minutes ago what my prediction for the score was, and I messaged him uh, like 52 to um, 14, I believe. I'm going to go 42-14. That's a cover for Clemson, but it's not as big of a cover as a lot of people expect. So The problem is I just don't see Virginia Tech being able to stop them. Yep. Yeah. At agree. any point. I agree. <laughs> so we could have 35 like, That's why I said before, turnovers are key. Like if they can force a fumble here, a fumble there, an interception, which Trevor is not necessarily – going to make at least based on the standard it's going to be a difficult situation for tech and it's tough you lose to miami liberty and wake forest all by a combined score of like what like 20 some odd points or less but that's the grade you dig yourself and now the pressure is on against clemson and they're going to lose and we'll have a much more fun podcast talking about what the UVA game means because it's going to mean a lot for the program, for the head coach whose grave might be dug already, and you know for the players in terms of pride because this UVA team on paper should not be able to beat Virginia Tech. I agree. Um, we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised. Who's to say? Um, and I don't mean that Tech's going to win because I I don't believe that 
even a little bit. But maybe Tech is a bit more competitive in this game and surprises everybody. You know, who knows? Um, is, 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 that not, is, that not, is that not the better case scenario when you have the entire fan base tweeting when the game goes prime time? Like, oh, fantastic, a public execution. It's like maybe it won't be a public execution. It most likely will be, but you're basically rooting against that. <laughs> I mean, they're playing. They're playing for pride and just look. If you're at this point, together... Tech fans are just hoping that a nuclear bomb does not go off in Lane Stadium. Thus, my background for today's podcast. That's correct. That is correct. Well, boys. A pleasure as always. Uh, this was our Clemson preview. This was I, a really long pod. It was, but we covered a lot of ground here. Talked yes. about basketball. It was a talked ton about to talk about. Talked about the coaching staff. Talked about how Tech could cover. Talked about how they probably won't cover. A lot of ground here. Um, <laughs> check out Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg. Andrew, tell us about Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy is the pharmacy that you want to go to if you want a pharmacy that actually cares about you. If you don't go to CVS and you actually want a pharmacy that cares about your health care outcomes, well, there's one place to go for that. That's Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg. Dr. Jeremy Counts sends wonderful staff. We'll take care of everything you need. It just sounds better when he does it. Ricky, tell the people where they can find your stuff. Uh, the uh, LeBlue review, rickylablue.com. I put up a really detailed piece about Clemson's rise to power again. Um, for the second time in their in their tenure, go read that. I put a lot of work into it. There's a ton of numbers in there, and you'll actually find some interesting stuff about Clemson. Um, go listen to Mike on his 60 million different podcasts. Um, guys, literally on air everywhere, every day, in in every time zone. Um, Andrew is on ESPN Radio in Blacksburg. Um, rate, review, subscribe, follow us on Twitter. There's going to be plenty of funny tweets in this game. I'm, I'm sure of it. Virginia Tech Twitter is going to be super entertaining during this Clemson game. I'm sure of it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, Ricky, I'll, Ricky, I'll say this. On Super Bowl Sunday, I drive down the street, and you know you can hear the sound of the Super Bowl playing from every single house. Every other day, I drive down the street and I hear Mike McDaniel's voice, whether it be the Hokie Hangover podcast, whether it be the Sons of Saturday basketball podcast, whether it be the basketball <laughs> conference podcast that he does. I can't drive without hearing the voice of my good friend. Dude, Mike he's McDaniel. like Bob Costas. He's just everywhere. You can't get rid of the yeah, guy. No, you, you really Don't can't. Put that on but, but I, think, <laughs> I, 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 I think that not only Virginia Tech, not only the Commonwealth, but America is better off with this guy. So yes, go basketball conference podcast, Sons of Saturday basketball podcast, and of course, if you are listening to the Hokie Hagger podcast, subscribe, rate, review, do what you have to do because we're trying to get Mike McDaniel to launch his presidential campaign one day. Twenty twenty four is open, baby. I was going to say they don't want to. I don't want to go into my Twitter history. Um, <laughs> that. Uh, thanks, thanks for that random endorsement. Seventy uh, percent of the Earth is covered by water. Apparently, the rest is covered by me. So I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think one person asked me to commentate ACC Network games tonight, and then someone also asked you. 
my brother-in-law. HTC Network <laughs> Games tonight. So, Andrew, you're next. Um, this is our official – we're starting our official campaign for the three of us to cover a Virginia Tech athletic event on the ACC Network. Um, there's absolutely no chance this will happen, but it's a fun – it's a fun shtick. Well, hey, if we were to cover a Virginia Tech athletic event, if we're being – obviously, this is unrealistic, but if we were to be as realistic as we can – with an unrealistic proposition, it would be wrestling and our good friend Jersey Hokey yes. would be very proud of us. Yes. That's right. And there Jersey would be Hokey. plenty of pack shaver commercials. That's correct. That is absolutely <laughs> So correct. what we have to say to you guys is buy your spurtles, <laughs> do what you have to do, and as always, go Hokies. <laughs>